When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are wrapping up our two-week music celebration with a look at Trent Reznor. And Danelle is joining me again for this one. She was on our Wednesday pop culture and fandom news episode, so I'm very excited to have Danelle here. But before we get to talking about Trent Reznor, and I'm sure, I'm hoping if you're listening to this, you know who Trent Reznor is. I'm hoping you know who he is, regardless of if you're a fan or not. But if you don't, I'll give just a brief bio here, just some stuff from Wikipedia. And then I'm going to give some listener shout outs and mentions of their favorite albums and songs and various reasons why. And I have to say that was just getting that listener feedback and hearing some of the reasons why certain songs and albums mean so much to people just makes my heart very happy, I have to say. Uh, and I have to say, preparing for this episode is was one of my favorites. Um, it's up there with preparing for Depeche Mode. So Trent Reznor was born on May 17, 1965 in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. He's an American musician, singer, songwriter, record producer, and composer. He serves as the lead vocalist, multi-instrumentalist, and principal songwriter of the industrial rock band Nine Inch Nails, which he founded in 1988 and of which he was the sole official member until 2016. The first Nine Inch Nails album, Pretty Hate Machine, in 1989, was a commercial and critical success. Reznor has since released 11 more Nine Inch Nails studio albums. Reznor began his career in the mid-1980s as a member of synth-pop bands such as Option 30, The Innocent, and Exotic Birds. He has contributed to the albums of artists such as Marilyn Manson, who he is no longer friends with or fans of, want to make that little caveat there, whom he did mentor, rapper Saul Williams and Halsey. Alongside his wife, Mary Queen Mandig, and longtime Nine Inch Nails collaborators Atticus Ross and Rob Sheridan, he formed the post-industrial group How to Destroy Angels in 2009. And beginning in 2010, Reznor, alongside Atticus Ross, began to work on film and television scores. The duo have scored many of David Fincher's films, including The Social Network, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Gone Girl, and Mank. They won the Academy Award for Best Original Score and the Grammy Award for Best Score Soundtrack track for Visual Media for both The Social Network and Soul. The duo has also scored the films Patriot's Day, Mid-90s, Bird Box, Waves, Sorry, I just love waves so much. Bones and all, and Empire of Light. They have scored the documentaries Before the Flood and the Vietnam War and the TV series Watchmen, winning a primetime Emmy Award for the latter most. In 1997, Reznor appeared on Time's list of the year's most influential people, and Spin Magazine described him as the most vital artist in music. So I am very, very excited to be talking about Trent Reznor I think Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor's music in general means a lot to me and my adolescent teen years, and I'm sure the same can be said for Danelle. So I'm very excited to be talking about him. Um, I do want to give some shout outs to people and their favorites before Danelle and I talk about why we love Trent Reznor so much and mention some of our favorites. So... Bex, of course, Bex, uh, who is the co-host of Big Reputations Pod, she loves the Watchmen score. Um, Mrs. 
Poppy Evangelista loves every day is exactly the same. Lara Charlene from Germany, who we gave a shout out last week, of course, for David Bowie, loves the fragile and year zero, but does have a huge love for the Ad Violence EP. And I want to give a special shout out to the Nine Inch Nails feed account. It's the Nin feed account because they shared my post in their Instagram stories. And I guarantee that's a lot of the reason we got <laughs> we got feedback that we did. So thank you. And they mentioned the fragile, but also the way out is through. Justice Ranger mentioned Year Zero and Empire of Light. And this part is really really impactful, I think. Year Zero is helping them keep their sanity through the war, while Empire of Light helps me calm down and sleep. And so they are in Ukraine. So I do want, I wanted to mention that as well, and the power of music and how incredible music can be. Strog Mutant said the big come down. Beth Bat said piggy and something I can never have but also mentioned it's so difficult to pick. A lot of people said that, and I understand. I always kick myself over when we have to only name three, which is what Danelle and I are going to have to do. <laughs> so Nikki Davis said, Add violence has a chokehold on me. Amazing range in just five tracks, but especially the lovers. Such an intense, gorgeous, moody thing. Uh, Blade of Pain said, The Great Below, the lyrics are just perfect, and that song gives me chills. It makes me feel home, feel at home because I love the sea. I feel it with my whole heart. Um, Sherry VT said, As a fan since the start, start, it's a difficult question. Every song holds a very specific moment in time for me. Somewhat damaged, always is a live favorite. I'm in the pro video at Bowery Ballroom getting crushed. <laughs> a song that touches my soul is in this twilight. I don't hear it do done live much since the supporting Lights in the Sky tour. Vex Hatfield said, Various methods of escape has helped me through countless difficult times in my life. It's like therapy to me and reminds me to breathe and let go. Hesitation Marks will always be my favorite album of theirs. It's flawless. Yes, including everything. <laughs> I just think it's incredible that really no one really repeats themselves. It's like all these different variety of songs and scores and music. And that really shows you what an incredible breadth of a discography and what an incredible artist Trent Reznor is and what incredible music Nine Inch Nails has given us and the world. And so uh, I did want to give a couple of trigger warnings just because I don't, I know it'll come up for me. So I don't know if other things will come up, but I do want to give trigger warnings for depression, suicidal ideation or suicidal thoughts, self-harm, uh, Trent Reznor is a recovering addict, so I don't know if that will come up, but drug addiction and addiction in general. So, Danelle, what I first want to know is what song or album turned you into a Trent Reznor fan? Wow. <laughs> That's a tough <laughs> one. Um, I would say probably from the beginning it was Pretty Hate Machine. I discovered them a little bit late. So I think Wish was already out at the time when I discovered Nin, but I started with Pretty Hate Machine. And I think just that pow, pow, for Terrible Lie, just, that was it. That was it. I was like, what is this? And I think it just spoke to me, you know, that whole album, the rage in that album and the disaffection and just, you know, just feeling that that whole melancholy it just spoke to me in volumes at that time in my life and so yeah I was hooked well even though I knew pretty hate machine I would say uh, downward spiral probably really turned me into a fan even though of the two I am actually a bigger fan of pretty hate machine overall but I love down the downward spiral and that album came out in 1994 which I was still in high school and, um, you know, teen years were very, very difficult for me. High school was very difficult. I was very, very fortunate that I found an alternative high, high school to go to 
that if I hadn't found that, I probably would not have survived high school. I don't know. I probably would have, wouldn't have graduated. And I, I was a good student, but I just was miserable and depressed a lot and dealt with a lot of depression and a lot of, uh, I was suicidal on and off for basically my whole teen years. So um, hearing Nine Inch Nails and hearing Trent Reznor's voice and the music and the sound of it is like, uh, especially for the downward spiral, it's like basically taking all the rage and the pain and the anguish and the loneliness and everything that you feel that you're feeling alone and that you're the only person feeling that way and no one can understand this and basically just all of it out there on the page for me. It's like whenever, and still to this day, if I am very angry, very upset, very lost, I will turn on, I will listen to Nine Inch Nails for that very reason where it feels like I am able to get that rage, that anger, that hurt, that pain out in a very constructive and healthy way where it's not other not constructive ways that I've done in the past. So it's very, very helpful to have that music, to be able to yell and scream some of the words, to cry, to have basically a therapy session while listening to the albums. And so it definitely was Downward Spiral that turned me into a huge fan. And then it was just going back and discovering it. But for me, you know, like I always call Depeche Mode, like Depeche Mode is my soul band. That's my soul. That's my heart and soul. But Nine Inch Nails for me is like my, this may sound weird, but my pain band, my raw pain, raw um, nerve, the one that helps me a lot through those very trying times mentally and um, listening to them now, especially the earlier albums, I can instantly be transported back to that time in my life. And it is incredible how much hearing someone expressing such pain and loneliness and anger and anguish and anger at society as a whole and that feeling lost and like a weirdo and not being able to, and how do I fit into this weird world that we live in, this weird society and hearing that from somebody else and seeing them get out that through music and through lyrics it's such a powerful thing that just helped me a lot. And I think going by comments, going by what people have said, I think helped save a lot of people. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating there. I don't think, I think it really has the power to do that. If you can channel that hurt and that feeling of isolation and not belonging into such a beautiful art form, I think that can really save you. And so for me, that's what made me a fan was it was like, and, and, and Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails are not the first band to ever make music like this at all. Not at all. I mean, you of course have ministry and you have like KMFDM and, and, and stuff like that. They're even harder and stuff. But this was the first one that really reached me in a very different, different way. And it felt like, all of that stuff I was afraid to say and get out there. Trent wasn't afraid to say and get out there. And so it was like having a mouthpiece for that damaged part of myself. All that word salad to say. You said it well. I mean, I think you said it very well. I think a lot of, a lot of people I know who, are, who love Nine Inch Nails feel the same way. You know, being raised a, and being a girl being a woman, we weren't allowed to feel anger, right? You're not supposed to. You're supposed to be, you know, happy and kind and all of that that we were raised to be. But yet I was one pissed off young woman, you mm -hmm. know, when I discovered Nine Inch Nails in high school and going into to college. And I needed a way to express that. And I think Trent being who he is and just his personality, he really really spoke to so many people including me and and you know that sense of just being that disassociation not fitting in feeling lost questioning you know and i think that's a big one for me is that i really loved about 
his music, it's not just about, oh, I feel this way and this is how it is. He was questioning the whole time, you know, like there's so many questions going through his head in the lyrics and that first album. And I, I was there, I was there too. So it all spoke to me and yeah, I think it was a safe way for me to feel that. And it takes me back, you know, I, the minute I put on pretty hate machine or something, I'm right back there. It's a great rage cleaning album, by the way. If you ever need to get your housework done, put that on, put it on loud, and you will get some shit done. That's true. Like, <laughs> straight up. Straight up. That is very, very true. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I agree. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, well, we have already started talking about Nine Inch Nails, but we're going to get into Nine Inch Nails a little bit more here and I'll get, go over the albums of Nine Inch Nails. And of course, you've got Pretty Hate Machine, Broken, The Downward Spiral, The Fragile, With Teeth, Year Zero, Ghosts, One Through Four, The Slip, Hesitation Marks, Bad Witch, Ghosts, Five, Together, Ghosts, Six, Locusts. And that's it for now. So, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully, of course, more in the future. But I don't think like Trent is necessarily going anywhere. He is very, very much committed to being a very good father and very, very there for his kids. So he has five kids, if you didn't know that. So uh, that, of course, has prevented him from doing things that he wants to do, like he really has always dreamed of making a movie. But he doesn't want to do that because as a father, he feels that'll take too much time away from his kids. So bravo to you for that, honestly. <laughs> So. Right? Who knew? Who knew? Back in 1989, when we first saw, I mean, you look back at those early videos that here Trent would be a father of five. Like that's just insane. I love it though. I absolutely love it for him, and I'm I'm happy to see him like actually seem happy and content, and you know, as much as he can be. I mean, <laughs> I think that's just who he is, right? That kind of sense of unease in him is what helps him produce some of the most incredible music. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of Nine Inch Nails, so I know we've already given a little bit of our thoughts, but what are your overall thoughts on Nine Inch Nails discography and any other thoughts on what the music means to you? Oh, yeah. So I love the evolution of just where it went. You know, there's such a wide berth from Pretty Hate Machine to like The Fragile. And then even going into um, the Ghosts albums, they're so atmospheric and beautiful, you know, but yet there is that sense of disease in them that I love, you know, that kind of is a signature. And even the film scores that are so good. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is probably one of my favorites. Um, the Social Network was great, too. I mean, everything he's done for the film scores I've loved, but... I just remember the girl with the dragon tattoo was one of my favorites. Um, and it's just very much his signature. Yeah. And we'll definitely be talking about his scores here too, too shortly. So, because I think him and Atticus Ross do such incredible work in that, in that medium, such just yeah. amazing work. So, yeah. Well, and I mean, he writes a song like March of the Pigs, but yet, you know, and then La Mer on the fragile like so different and so cool like that's the fact that i love them both equally is is fun you know like it's just so different so yeah mm -hmm. that's one of the things that i love about him is the variety of music just the huge birth yeah the variety of the tone and the variety of um you know you have those really, really angry, hard hitting ones that are very loud and almost screeching in a way. And then you have something that's very soft and quiet, like a lot of the stuff on, on the Ghosts albums are very, very melodic and very soulful and very, um, almost some of them are like jazzy and 
kind of like something you can really relax to in a lot of ways and almost not meditate, but almost just get into a calm, a sense of calm. And then if you want to just yell and scream and dance or anything like that, you can do that as well. So it is just this wide range of, I mean, everything, everything he does, does have an underlying sense of um, just rawness is I think the best way to describe it. It's just completely raw. It's just like the amount of courage. I honestly think it takes a lot of courage and you know, especially for someone like he says, like, I, I want to recommend really quickly uh, to go listen to the podcast episode where, that he's on of the podcast Difficult Artist. And then also really, really recommend, I've watched it a couple times now, go watch the episode on the sh Netflix show Song Exploder, where he talks about hurt, but he also talks about music in general. But you know, he talks about in that on Netflix, how he's not really a people person. And yet he's there reaching all of these people and connecting with all of these people. And so I think, especially for someone who's not really a people person, he strikes me as very shy and very quiet and very reserved. And so for someone like that to be so vulnerable and share with the world a piece of them and a piece of their soul and their heart, and then also be like, well, I want you as the audience to take these words and these lyrics and these songs and you find what you find in them. I'm not going to tell you what to find in them. You find what you're going to find in them is so beautiful and, and just so amazing. And so I just think every single song, even if it's a song that I don't like as much as the others, there is still such a rawness and vulnerability and truth there and honesty that that's why I get so emotional listening to his music because it's like, it's just like a raw nerve, a raw exposed nerve. And it's like something where you want to care for it and you want to take care of it and you feel like it's taking care of you in some way, even though it is raw and angry. And even though, you know, of course you've got closer and even though you've got the lines, you know, I want to fuck you like an animal, even though you have that stuff in there, there's still this beauty there too. So it's just incredibly powerful how an artist can take you on such a journey like that and, um, and can play something very rough and very much in a realm of like, I am just going to show you so much just anger and rage and emotion. And then I'm going to comfort you and wash over you like a warm breeze or warm comforting water, like with ghosts and stuff like that. So it's, it's an incredible talent. He's just amazing. And I just am really happy that he decided to share his talent with the world and gifted us that because yeah, it, it helps me tremendously through through depression and through states of despair and through those states of um, any kind of self-harm behavior and anything like that, too. So, yeah. So both Danelle and I have seen Nine Inch Nails live. I do love my experience, too. But I have to say, I am so incredibly jealous of Danelle's experience and I don't know if it's the only time Danelle has seen Nine Inch Nails live, but you got to see Nine Inch Nails during the time when he's touring with uh, David Bowie. And so that I can cry some more <laughs> with jealousy. Tell us what that was, what that experience was like. Oh, it was an amazing show. It was an absolute amazing show. I was so thrilled that they were touring together. I loved their collaboration. Um, and I, I loved seeing Trent talk about it in that that episode of Sound Explorer. I think he was talking about it a little bit, mm -hmm. their collaboration. And you can just see how happy he is, like in the clips. Like he's just deliriously happy. You can see him just keep looking over at Bowie like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on the same stage as Bowie, but it was so much fun. Um, it was a great show. Um, Trent was up to his usual antics and insanity live, and, and it was just fun. It was fun to see them share the stage. Um, I'm still, like, a little bit aghast that people actually left Afternoon Set before Bowie came on completely. Like, I still don't understand that. Like, I remember looking around, like... 
looking around going, but where are you going? It's Bowie. Like, where are you people going? Because it was, there were quite a few people who left. Not a ton, but it was noticeable. It was definitely noticeable, which was wild to me. Blows my yeah. mind. Yeah, but they did, they did hurt together. And of course, um, they did I'm Afraid of Americans together, which, oh, <laughs> so freaking good. But my first experience was, I believe, during the Closer Tour. So I got to see them at the old McNichols and uh, good times. Um, I was with somebody, I went with somebody who I was very much, uh, I had a, was in love with this guy and we went together and had a great time, but we were being a little wild before. And so we ran it at the last minute, we missed the opener. And I kid you not, we get through the turnstile, we go into the, the venue and we're going to our seats. And all of a sudden it was like, pow, pow, wow. You it was like perfect timing. It was just like the coolest thing because we got there right at the last second as they came on stage. So yeah, that was incredible. My friend, he, the guy that I was seeing, he got into the pit and the whole thing. And I was like, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. Yeah, I won't <laughs> do Because it was wild. I can't do that. I, I have too much of a, I'm not putting them down, but I have too much of a fear of them. I just don't like them. Mm -mm. Yeah, they're a little scary. Um, that was a wild one. That was one of the most wild mosh pits I've ever seen. And then I did see them on the With Teeth tour as well. And that was a totally different experience because I went by myself. Yeah, I was so sad that I wasn't going to go to the show and I had a class. I was actually taking classes at Metro in Denver and they were playing the Pepsi Center. And I was just like, I was talking to my friend in class and I'm like, but Trent, he's right there. He's right there. And I'm here. And this is not, and she's just like, go. So in the middle, like we took our break for class and I just walked over, bought a ticket from somebody at face value. They were selling an extra ticket at face value and I went to the show. Well, see, now I'm even more jealous because you've seen more than once. You've seen them more than once. You've seen him perform more than once. And I, and I want to ask, because someone mentioned this on um, I Identify, because we covered David Bowie last week. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that. And I, I heard, and I talked about that in that, and I don't know, I'm sure it happened with yours, but, I, but this is the part that really also made me be like, oh, I wish I could have been there. I heard that when they were singing together, when David Bowie and Trent Reznor were performing together, that while they would do a song, they would replace a musician from Nine Inch Nails with a musician from David Bowie's band. Is that correct throughout the Yeah, song? they did a little, a, a bit of swapping too, which was always, which was interesting. Yeah, it was so cool. I mean, it was it definitely a much more refined Trent um, in that tour versus the first time I saw them. Because the first time was sloppy and crazy and loud and just, I mean, I shouldn't say sloppy. The music was never sloppy. That's not Trent's style. But like, he was the type at the time to, if he got pissed off because the keyboard wasn't playing right, he'd break it. Mm -hmm. Like he would literally rip it off of the thing and break it and somebody would have to come out and replace it. He knocked Robin Fink off of the he got mad about something and knocked Robin off of the, the drum set so they had to replace so I thought, I mean, it was wild. It was absolutely wild. Still one of the, the best concerts I've ever seen. So they had this cool mechanism where keyboards were swivel on the swivel thing. So uh -huh. he could run over and start playing. And that's when he ripped one off because it didn't, it was broken or something happened. And he was not thrilled. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm 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 just really jealous about about a lot of that. And I know I know for for Trent, um, that was being with David Bowie and being able to tour with David Bowie. And I know that was also during part of his, his addiction. And he's spoken about that. How there is a part of him that's embarrassed for the fact about that part because yeah. he was with David Bowie. But I know he's also said that some of that helped him, you know, get clean was being around David Bowie. And I, and it's true. And you watch that episode of song exploder and you watch the clips of him on stage singing with David Bowie and singing Hurt. And you just see it is it's this pure joy of like it's someone like, I cannot believe that I get to actually be here next to this man. That's my hero that I idolize that he wishes he could sing like. Um, I It's just it's so beautiful. It's so sweet. It's almost like watching a little boy, a little kid just, you know, and it's that fanboy thing and that you know, getting to perform with your hero is such a amazing treat. So 
Yeah. And it's so genuine. Like the look on his yeah. face is just so completely genuine and sweet. And I love that too about him, you know, that he was so excited. And he doesn't give enough credit to his voice. So try to listen to this. You need to give yourself some freaking credit. You have a gorgeous voice. One of my favorite songs that he's ever done isn't even his song. It's when he did a duet with Tori Amos on Pass the Mission on her Under the Pink album, which is one of my favorites. And oh, God bless Tori love her um but his backup vocals on past the mission give me chills that is just so gorgeous the way his voice wraps around hers on that chorus is just absolutely stunning so yeah yeah no i agree Try and I give agree. yourself credit <laughs> i agree i i completely agree because it is true it's very um you know, it, it's part of that rawness and part of that emotion that comes through is definitely from hearing his voice and the sound of his voice and the absolute raw emotion in every word he is singing. And so it would not work without that amazing voice. It just wouldn't have the same power. So definitely you deserve to give yourself more credit than you're giving yourself. So I, I agree. I agree. Well, I saw, I've only seen, I've only seen them once. And that was touring with Jane's Addiction. And that Ooh, was nice. a, at, a, at a Fiddler's Green. That was an incredible experience. I will say I, I loved, loved watching Trent Reznor. It was a little bit more of a um, calmer performance than what I think he's done in the past. Of course, that was later on in life too. So I think that had something to do with it. And a lot of moments at a piano and a lot of moments of just being a little bit quieter. But one thing that was so weird to me was because it was in the summer and this is not on him. This isn't on him. And so it's on the, it's in the summer, it's daytime. And there was something kind of wrong in my mind of watching, <laughs> listening to Nan when it's like really bright and light out. I'm like, this does not work for me. <laughs> that was the yeah, only no, drawback. It, yeah. There needs to be like fog and smoke and it should be dark. and Because like, yeah. there was fog and smoke, but it was light out. So it didn't. And yeah. then also I, that was one of the first concerts where I went, oh, my gosh, I feel old because I'm there with my friend. And, you know, we had listened to this music in high school. And here we are, you know, a little bit older than high school. <laughs> and all <laughs> these young teenagers are there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I feel so old. What are you doing here? <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that the music still lives on, but it still is like, oh, I feel so old. And Jane's Addiction, if you ever get a chance to see Jane's Addiction in concert, because the main reason I went was for Nine Inch Nails. That was the main reason I went. But I will say Jane's Addiction was like, holy crap, I'm blown away. Perry Farrell is like in this whole other league. He's like a different being <laughs> i don't even know how to describe him yeah. it's it's an experience and i i like jane's addiction but i they're not like one of my absolute all-time favorite bands but seeing them in concert gave me a totally different appreciation for their music so i and and so it was a great i thought it was a really good combination i think they actually went really well together and i really feel blessed that i got to see both of them live i just am still gonna just live forever i'm gonna be jealous of the people that i got to see the david bowie one because plus it's david yeah. bowie Aww. so i'm i'm really grateful that i got to see bowie at least once I, I you know no matter if you're a huge fan of his music or not you have to respect the man's contribution to the music world and absolutely yeah i mean i i like his music so but just yeah he's an absolute legend so it was it was really cool to see them together for sure yeah and i and i feel blessed i really enjoyed you know it was it was such a beautiful night of music and such a beautiful emotional time and an emotional experience i just wish it had been dark out <laughs> so <laughs> so if i ever get to see them again in concert if i ever get to see nine inch nails again in concert i am definitely going to a nighttime indoor something maybe show but because that just for so it just felt so weird i remember even turning to my friend going this is weird it should be really dark out while we're listening to some of this music and, but <laughs> it was great it's it's one of my favorite concerts it's definitely up there i know i mentioned it on our favorite concerts episode earlier this year too 
Okay, so now the part where everybody wants to smack me, punch me. I understand this was really hard for me. I still I have scribbles on this paper. I can't even read some of what I've written down here. <laughs> trying to decide. So Danelle, mm-hmm. and I know this. I know this probably changes all the time. It, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But I know this that you hate me for this. But what are three of your favorite? songs your favorite nine inch nails songs. why are you doing this to me oh okay <laughs> hey that works yes you're taking it right from <laughs> <laughs> why are you doing this to me um yeah terrible lie is probably one of my favorites for sure um God, there's so many la mer is one of my favorites to the fragile I could just list so many, but I'll stick with those three for right now because they're the top three that just came in my mind. But yeah, there's so many. I mean, and for different reasons, you know, they have different meaning for me. So yeah, like like you, I I suffered a lot with depression and and just not being okay. And Trent's music kind of helped me through that, you know, a lot. So. You know, if I ever got a chance, I would definitely want to give him a hug and say thank you. You know, thank you for sharing your gifts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But those are the top three. If you're going to make me choose, dang it. <laughs> you're welcome. I know. But I could probably list me. about 15 or 20. So there we go. <laughs> no, I know. You should see my my piece of paper here. It's just scribbled. And then I was like, no, no, I guess I'll put this. this no, no, I guess I'll put this. Uh, so I do have one that is my absolute absolute favorite for very personal reasons and i'm going to save that for last and this was incredibly hard because i kept writing ones down and then i'd be like no i want to i want to mention this one i'm like no i should mention this one instead no i should mention that one instead so i'm going to go first with one that's more recent and that is around every corner from ghosts six and this is one of those that is, I wrote jazzy because it has this jazzy feel to it. All those ghosts albums are very, they're the ones that fit into that warm breeze, warm bath, warm hug. And I don't mean that in a cheesy way at all. I just mean like very comforting, calmer, but there's still that pain there and there's still that loneliness there, but there's also this comfort to that sound. So I went with that one. Man, I'm still I was still trying to decide on my second one because the third one I'm gonna mention is my absolute favorite. So and it's not even like if you were to ask me tomorrow, this would not be on my top three. But right now, and it's just because for some reason it's fitting in with my mood lately, and this is the only one that's not a little bit slower. And that's the song only off of with teeth. And um there's just something about that that's there's got almost this ring of fuck you under <laughs> some of the lyrics and that's true with a lot of songs with a lot of nin songs but there's something about it that right now just fits and just fits with a lot of stuff that's going on in the world too so i i'm i'm gonna go with that one now but like i said if you were to ask me tomorrow it'd be totally different and then number one and this is because for me this is the song that Whenever I am at my lowest point in life, these words from this song speak all of that low point and all of that pain, that sorrow, that everything um, in me. And that's something I can never have from Pretty Hate Machine. That is by far my absolute favorite Nine Inch Nails song. It's my one of my favorite songs, period. And I know it's a very popular song, all of that. But for me, it's just like the rawest of the raw for me. It is every word, every lyric, you know, really fit for my time in in my teen years and early 20s. But it even fits now when I am very depressed, very lonely, feeling very low and down, feeling like I don't know where I fit in the world, feeling like I have been abandoned by everybody. I know that Trent Reznor has spoke a lot about abandonment issues and dealing with that in his music. And that's something that I deal with all the time too. And so, you know, 
just like certain lines, like especially just a fading fucking reminder of who I used to be. Just even that line is just like, oh, I just feel that with every ounce of who I am. I feel that line, every single word. So that song will never leave my top three because that's my absolute all-time favorite. But the other two could definitely change and did about a hundred times because you wouldn't be able to read this paper, this piece of paper. <laughs> I can kind of show it to Danelle, but it's kind of. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, <see? laughs> I, mine would be, mine, yeah, my list is the same way. I'm just like, I couldn't, something I can never have was on. Like, there's so many. Yeah, there's just so many. Yeah. The Fragile, that one was on there. I mean, like, it's just so many. And the Ghost yeah. album. By the way, he the fact that he released that for free during COVID was absolutely a gift. It came at the perfect time during lockdown. It was the perfect album for that. I remember listening to that and just being so tense and so upset, kind of freaking out about what was going on, and it just calmed me. Um, which is not necessarily the effect you think you're going to get from Nightish Nails, but it can, you know, like you said, it is a, a, like a warm kind of hug in a way. And I, but it still has that sense of, yeah. you know, under that melancholy underneath that I think is, is just beautiful. So yeah, I will always, always love Nin. Yes. I'll be rocking to him when I'm 90. If I, hopefully I make it that long, but <laughs> I'll be in the nursing home being like, have like a whole, yeah. <laughs> like just getting all crazy. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, okay. Well, I do want to talk about film and television scores. So I do want to move on to that. And I'm going to once again, just mention a few of those that uh, he scored with Atticus Ross. Of course, we've got to definitely mention Atticus Ross because it's not like he does all the work. So <laughs> want to give it a shout out too. So of course, started with the social network in 2010 and the girl with the dragon tattoo, Gone Girl, Mank, um, Soul, Bones and All, Waves, Imp Bones and All, he should have been nominated for. They both should have been nominated for that. Anyway, um, Waves, Empire of Light, Watchmen, and just a bunch more. So what are your overall thoughts on Trent Reznor's work with Atticus Ross as a composer? Well, I think he's proven himself, they both have proven themselves to be a huge force in the film industry. I mean, they've scored some huge films and they've gotten a lot of recognition and their music, Trent has such a beautiful way of setting a mood. He knows how to do that. He understands music to a T, they both do. And I think knowing, working with certain directors who have that same mindset, it makes a difference. Gone Girl, the music makes that movie. I mean, the movie was great anyway, but the mood is just so elevated by that music. It's incredible. And just how intricate it is and how it just, you don't even recognize, you don't like necessarily, um, it's not like it's so prominent, like that's all you hear because you're focused on the film. So it doesn't interrupt, it doesn't overpower. It just weaves itself and it has this way of very intricately setting the mood and manipulating the the atmosphere. Um, Trent talked about that in the, the episode of Sound um, Bender, right? Is it called Sound? I can't remember. The uh, um, sound, song Exploder. Song, song Exploder. exploder. <laughs> um, he talked about that in there, being able, you know, putting stuff underneath, like he likes to do that, that kind of, you don't, perfect. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited. I I have a feeling there will be several more Oscar nominations and wins in their future. So I was so thrilled when he won the Oscar for Social Network. I was like so excited to see that happen for him. Well deserved. Yeah, I think they both understand, both, both Trent and Atticus understand how important a film's score is to enhancing a film without dominating the film so you notice it and it can help your it can help kind of guide the audience in a way but a score should also just seamlessly blend in to where you're not just focused on the score where it's just such a huge part of it that it's just part of the whole mechanism the whole inner workings of the film 
I am not a fan of the movie The Social Network at all. However, because um, I, it's weird. David Fincher is so weird for me because I love a lot of David Fincher stuff. And then I don't like some David Fincher stuff. But I will say the score for The Social Network is probably the best thing about the movie. And I think it's because it's not the score that if you were to be making a movie about Facebook that you would necessarily think of. Honestly, I don't think you would necessarily think, okay, I'm going to go to Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross and I'm going to make them make them. I'm going to have them do the score. And um, Trent Reznor has said that that was not something that he was allowing himself to do. When David Fincher first approached him, he was like, no, I'm not no, I, I'm not I'm not good enough to do this, is basically what he's saying. He didn't think he was good enough to do it. He went back to David Fincher, said, I, I just know I'm gonna I just don't think I'm at that right place, but I know I'll probably regret not saying, you know, not doing this. And David Fincher basically was like, No, you're I don't want anyone else to do this score. You're gonna do this score. And I talk about what a great incredible trust to put in somebody. Um, and I'm so glad that he did it. And I'm so glad that him and Atticus Ross do such incredible scores where the, you know, I think, I honestly think some people were shocked how, about how great they were at this, because I think people just thought, oh, this is just, this does that music, that music that some weirdos like, and why would this fit into film? And especially when he did the, when, um, when they composed the score for Soul. Here's an animated film and they're probably, people are like, uh, why would you do this film? Or like Mank or some of those. It doesn't seem like it would necessarily fit, but it does. And they, they are just so naturally gifted at it. And like I said, it does help with the journey of the film. And they know how to fit seamlessly into the background, but also make their presence known when it is required. And you can tell that they understand the material they're working with. They know the film. They know the script. They, uh, it's very important for them. They, um, you know, because I was listening to an interview with both of them and they were talking about how one of the first things they do is, yes, they'll read the script, but they ask the director, uh, what exactly are you looking for in this movie? What are you trying to say in this movie? So they know the importance of getting that across through the score too. So they know the importance of sound. And Trent is such a huge, fan of the medium and likes the medium so much already. So I think that helps too in the medium of film. And so I think that comes across too. And so I want to know what, do you have a favorite score of theirs? Yeah, that's tough. Um, I, I, I am regrettably have not seen soul yet. So I need to see that one. Um, I haven't heard the, the soundtrack from that, but so far I would say the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo was one that I really enjoyed. Gone Girl. And that's just because I kind of noticed it a little bit. when I, I've seen the film a couple of times, and it's such a good movie that, again, it just kind of very intricately webs through the film, but it's not overpowering. It's John Williams is known for his music being, you know, like it's up front and center, right? We all know so many John Williams songs. And that's great. He's an amazing composer and rightfully has earned the accolades. Trent's just very different. His approach is very different. It's just like what I was talking about with his um, duet with Tori, you know, when he mm -hmm. sang the backup vocals. You almost don't notice them. It's almost like a whisper, but the way his voice almost caresses hers, it's so gorgeous. And it's he knows when to be powerful and not, you know, like he knows when to make it known and when not to. And I think that's what in the, the film scores he's done. And he's gotten better with it in every single one he's done. So I would say probably I would have to pick between The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl for me out of the ones that I've heard. I love The Social Network, and I know you won the Oscar for it, but I, I love the others too. So those were mine. Mine is also a tie, and mine is a tie between uh, movies that he was not nominated for, that they should, they, were, they should have been nominated for, and that's Waves from 2019. Um, and Bones and All, which was my favorite movie of last year. I totally want to, I, I understand why people hate that movie. I do. And I know it's a very uncomfortable movie to watch. It can be very hard to watch. Like my sister recently said, that was one of the movies that I took my sister to. My sister said, 
when will I learn not to go to movies that you want to that you want to go because <laughs> you always want to see these weird movies? And if you don't know, there's it's you know it was pitched sort of as like a the cannibal love story. I think it's about a little bit more than that, but it is it can be uncomfortable to watch. Totally get that. Totally understand. To me, it's a very haunting love story. It's a I think it's a horror film. I know some people don't like to say that, but I think it's definitely a horror horror film, but it's a horror love story. And it's just a haunting film. And the score is so, so beautiful and so different than other scores that they have done in the past. Because it's a lot, um, it's a lot more beautiful, like a lot more charming in a way. So there's a love, there's love story there. And you can hear the love story and then the fear and then the horror, but you can hear the love story in this very quiet kind of acoustic almost score. And I just think it's a very, very beautiful one that should have, should have easily won and should have been nominated. But, uh, but anyway, <laughs> I was mad about that. Then that movie deserved to get a lot of accolades that it did not get. And the other movie that deserved to get tons of accolades Ugh, I will never, ever be over the fact that um, Kelvin Harrison Jr. is one of my absolute favorite actors of this younger generation. He's absolutely fantastic in Waves, fantastic in Loose. And the fact that he did not get a nomination for one of those during 2019, it will just anger me forever and ever. But the score that um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did for Waves, which Waves is a film that um, I won't spoil it for people who haven't seen it. Waves is a very intense, intense viewing experience. The first time I saw it in the theater, uh, me and the person I saw it with just sat there completely quiet when it was over and unable to move. And just it's two different movies almost two different stories. So you follow one sibling played by Kelvin Harrison Jr. And in the first part, and then you're following the other sibling played by Taylor Russell, who is also in Bones and All. And so, and they're both, both performances from Taylor Russell and both movies are fantastic. And so you're following the brother and the sister and they're two different stories. And so that is such a challenge for a score to do, to be able to follow this very heightened, um, a uh, very almost visceral story of the brother and then almost a love story in the second half for waves. And they do it so seamlessly and they should have been nominated for that one too. It's just a really beautiful score that once again, heightens the film, but doesn't overshadow the film. And like the last Instagram post, I believe it was the very last Instagram post that Trent Reznor has done. I don't know if he'll ever come back to Instagram, but the last post he did was a picture. Yeah, it was a picture of a marquee for Waves and just him saying how proud he was to be involved with this one. And so I, I'm very happy that he was able to do that too. So yeah, I couldn't decide between the two. So I had to do a tie as well. Waves, you can't stream anywhere at the moment, but you can rent it for like $3.99 or something. And Bones and All, you can watch on MGM Plus. And then I believe it's coming to, I don't know if it's Peacock or somewhere else this month. But um, but with Bones and All and with Waves, do know these are very heavy, 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 heavy films. Not very easy to watch. Um, and Bones and All is about cannibalism. So <laughs> you have that in there too. And so when they do show the cannibalism, which isn't all the time, but when they do show it, it's very visceral as far as like the noise. You can hear the noise and all. So just be aware of that. Um, but but I love the movie, but I do understand why people hate it because people hate that movie. I mean, hate that movie. So <laughs> I love it. It's my favorite film of last year. I'm uh, intrigued, but I don't know. I'm like scared to see it, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> Well, my sister said to me the other day because she really, when we, when we went and saw that, we went and saw that we're driving we're leaving the theater and she's like, that's it. I can't ever see another movie with you again. I just, that's it. <laughs> I should know by now. And then of course the other day I'm like, so I'm going to watch evil dead rise. You, you want to watch it with me or I'll just watch it by myself. We were looking for something to watch and she's like, okay, I'll watch it with you. And then like, 
halfway through, she's like, I will never learn my lesson. <laughs> Okay, well, if I watch it, I'm going to be calling you be like, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, you, you can yell at me. But but my sister said she both loves and hates the movie Bones and All. So it's one of those. She said it was just a very uncomfortable experience watching it. So and it does. It's like you're always on the edge expecting something horrible to happen and it doesn't always happen. But one of the most uncomfortable scenes in there, there's absolutely no violence in it. But it's very uncomfortable. So by a fire pit with a couple of other cannibals. It takes place in the 80s, if you don't know that. So, yeah. It's based on a book, um, a YA book. <laughs> so, yeah. It's all about, you know, there's, you know, pe the people are born as cannibals. And yeah. So. Well, I want to know before we move on, of course, to Six Degrees of Finwit Rock, I want to just finally know if you have any final thoughts that you wanted to get in, Danelle, on Trent Reznor's music or um, any impact that Trent Reznor has had on you. Anything else you wanted to add? Really just that I'm grateful for him sharing his music um, and that I discovered it. It helped me through so many dark times um, when I was a young adult and teenager, and it's helped me as I've gotten a little bit older <laughs> as well, you know, during those times, like you said, it's just one of those bands that I can throw on and like, I'll, I'll be 80, 90 rocking some nine inch nails. You know, it's just one of those bands that the music is timeless. Um, Trent is an absolute legend, you know, whether he wants to admit it or not. Sorry, Mr. Resner, you have to face it. You are a freaking <laughs> musical legend. You are a musical genius and we love you. So feel the love, accept it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I, I'm just happy for him personally, just seeing that he's happy, you know, that he went through recovery, that he was able to overcome what he's overcome. Um, you know, seeing him at the Oscars and looking magnificent in his talks and, and, you know, just being honored rightfully so for his work, um, was just thrilling for me as a fan. So that was, that was great. And I love what, listening to him. He's, he's a nerd, you know, he's a nerd, just like yeah. an, an outcast weirdo, just like all of his fans. And he's one of us and we're one of him, you know, and I think he knows that now. I think he's finally gotten to the point where he knows he's not alone because he's got a whole army of Nin fans out there who feel the same way and are grateful for his music. So yeah, I, I'm excited to see him even be honored more, and I'm, I'm looking forward to more musical scores, and of course, what he puts out with the rest of his his band, um, and then, so, and I want to, I need to check out, I, as a fan, I feel bad, I have not checked out his other side project, The Angels One, yeah, so I, I yeah, I need to check it out, because I'm sure it's probably really cool, so that's on my list. Yeah, um, you know, and I will say for, uh, I just think this is interesting when, um, and I think this kind of just speaks to maybe him getting older or feeling more respected from the industry as a whole. But he has said that when the Oscar nomination came up, it, it felt very different. And he said, I can't tell if that's because I'm older or it felt like it's coming from a more sincere pedigree. So I just think that's very interesting. But yeah, I just once again stress that the that music is to me the most powerful art form out there for me personally. It can save your life and touch you deep inside and touch parts of yourself that you are like, how did this person know I was feeling this? And I definitely think Trent Reznor's work, especially with Nin, more than anything, has been like that for me personally, has been like someone reading my deepest, darkest thoughts, thoughts that I didn't know were okay to be feeling. And that feeling of, oh, I'm the only one that feels this way. And knowing that I'm not because of that and feeling that, feeling like I was given permission that it's okay, that I am an outcast, that I'm a weirdo, that I don't fit into quote unquote normal society and never will. 
and that's okay. And that my feelings and pain is real and um, the acknowledgement of that and that I feel I've gotten from his music and from the lyrics especially is such, uh, such a priceless and incredible gift. And so thank you, Trent, for having the courage to be that vulnerable with us. I really appreciate it. It takes a lot to do that. And I know it can take a lot out of you as an artist as well. So thank you for doing that. And yes, you know, get over it. You are great and a genius. <laughs> Someday you will realize that more. I mean, I think you've realized it more as you've gotten older, maybe, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but you need to realize it more. And I've, and from what I've heard from people who have interacted with you, you know, you were one of those that actually did leave Twitter when Elon Musk came along and you're like, I'm not going to stay in this world here with this horrible person. Uh, and I know after that happened, there was a Twitter user who, I believe it was Scott, Scott Weinberg, I believe, was the one who said this. I could be wrong. I spoke about how absolutely kind and real and generous Trent is to um, to fans and to other human beings and how kind and generous he was to, to Scott. So uh, that was part of what I, this had been on my long list of ones we were going to do. But when I read this Twitter thread and I was trying to pull it up, but this was from a long time ago, I went, oh, okay, we're definitely going to cover Trent Reznor this year. So, uh, so yeah. So anyway, um, keep being amazing, which I'm sure you will. And I can't wait to hear what you do next. And thank you for the gift that you have given us. Thank you for your art, for sharing your art with us. Okay. Well, I did a six degrees of Finn Wittrock. I don't know if you did a six degrees of Finn Wittrock, Danelle. No, I did not. No. I could tell by the look on your face. <laughs> I was bad, bad guest. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. The, pe the only people that I make do this are my Finn crew. And next week, some of my Finn crew is going to be on. So they are definitely going to have to do this. Um, but this one was actually really easy. I was like, I should have tried to do a more complicated way, but I didn't. So, of course, Trent Reznor helped compose the score for Gone Girl, which stars Ben Affleck. And Ben Affleck was in the snail propaganda movie Deep Water with Finn Wittrock. Yes, we call it the snail propaganda movie <laughs> because if you've seen it, Ben Affleck's character has this weird love of snails and he has all these snails. And, you know, it's a stupid movie. It's dumb. It sucks. Sorry, but it does. Um, but we do have, it's a snail thing in our red bubble store. That's all in reference to deep water. <laughs> so that's how I connected Finn to Trent Reznor. I, I know there'd be a hundred different ways to do that, but I decided to take the easy way out there. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and close this episode out. And Danelle, if you want to tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah. So you can find me as Draven Pearl on um, TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. And yeah, that's where you can find me. <laughs> Easy enough. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. And this is Erin. Uh, remember, don't follow me. Follow Fergie. Fergie loves horror films. She is an incredible, goofy, dorky clown of a dog. But follow her on TikTok. Yep, she heard me say her name. She just sat up. I can see her from here. She's looking, staring directly at me. <laughs> you can follow her at Schroeder and Fergs. That's S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R-A-N-D-F-E-R-G-S. Yes, it's long, but it is worth it. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. 
on TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, I have added you, Trent Reznor, to my list of dream interview guests. I know you actually don't listen to podcasts, so the chances of you listening to this are probably really slim. But if you do, and if you ever would deem yourself wanting to come and be interviewed on the show, I would just, I would be completely honored to interview you and just talk about art for like however long you want to talk about it. So you can reach out to us via our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button there. That'll shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And while you're there, if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more of it and you want to hear ad-free episodes, consider becoming a Patreon supporter today. You can click the support us or the link in our show notes that'll take you to our Patreon page. And we also are offering right now a seven-day free trial at the $3 a month level. So you have nothing to lose to so go check it out. You can see some of our great, incredible bonus content that we've done. And that's $7 seven-day free trial is just for new new subscribers just so you know i don't know if that would apply to anybody that you haven't been but you know just putting that out there and so we have done recent episodes covering a single all the way renfield uh cocaine bear the menu banshees of inisharan um the winchesters uh so many other ones that i'm not gonna name them all but we've done a bunch of different bonus ones we're going to be doing a bonus episode coming up covering two Billy Zane movies. We're going to be talking about Zoolander. Yes, he's in there for two minutes, but we're going to talk about Zoolander. And then we're going to also talk about uh, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. So we're going to talk about those two. And every month we have you vote on at least one episode that we do a bonus episode on. So, yep. So, and remember, commercial-free, ad-free episodes too. So once again, click the link in our show notes or go to our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com and click the support us there. You can also buy us a coffee or you can go to our Redbubble store, Redbubble store and pick up some fantastic merch as well. And the greatest thing you can do for this podcast or any indie podcast that you love is to give us five stars on iTunes or Spotify. Rate us, review us there. If you like what you're hearing, share the episodes, share our show, uh, you know, share our tweets, share our Instagram posts or Facebook posts, all of that. That's the best thing you can do for an indie creator is get the word out there. Let people know that you're listening and Thank you so much for listening. I really, really do appreciate it. So next week, we are going to be talking about Yellow Jackets. So I'm going to be joined by Carla, Jen, and Chrissy for that one. So that should be a ton, a ton of fun. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate.